0: This is Open to Hope Radio featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Good morning, Heidi.
2: Hi, Mom. How are you?
1: Good. How are things in New York?
2: They are good, and we are still recovering from Hurricane Sandy, but, you know, Manhattan is recovering a little faster than other people, and one of our guests today, well, our guest today is from New Jersey, and he has power now after nine days, and thankfully a lot of places are up and running, but unfortunately places like the Jersey Shore and Staten Island are still pretty devastated by all this.
1: Wow, it's been such a tough year for you folks. We're out in California, of course. Uh, we haven't had any earthquakes or anything lately, so things are pretty quiet here, and we're, our heart goes out to everybody there. Well, Heidi, uh, we're going to have a really good show today, and I know that there are so many people who are going to be interested in this topic out there because it's going to be dealing with your teens, which uh, people are really concerned about that, and your kids after a loss. Isn't that right, Heidi?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the biggest question I get all the time from parents is, how do I get my kids to communicate? How do I get my kids to open up? And why are my kids so angry after losing a sibling or, you know, a parent, etc.? And we do have a great guest, Mom. Um, Do you want me to introduce Thomas?
1: Absolutely. And by the way, we met him at a marketing program. We've been doing Quantum Leap. And uh, it's been really fun doing the program and meeting uh, different people.
2: Yes, and as my mom said today, we are going to talk about a topic that's very specific and it's going to be called The Problem is Me, and we're going to talk about the inner critic that gets in the way of us finding hope after loss, because we all have that inner critic, and our expert today is going to be Thomas Gagliano, and Thomas, or Tom as he's known as, has helped develop unique methods and procedures which have helped numerous institutions and individuals in the greater New York area. He graduated with a Master's in Social Work from Rutgers University in August of 2011, and he has written a book called The Problem Was Me. He is also a life coach and has a fantastic website. So welcome to the show, Tom.
3: Thank you, Heidi. Thank you.
1: It's great having you on, Tom, and I I love the name of your book, The Problem Is Me. Tell us about you.
3: Well, you know, my wife loved it too, to tell
1: you the truth. (laughs) Tell us about the problem being you growing up and and what happened to you. I know you've got some great YouTubes to look at uh, about your background and why you are dedicated to helping people.
3: Well, real quick, I'll try to go through it quickly, is I had a tough childhood. I had a dad. That was an alcoholic, and if he didn't come home at a certain time, and then he was going to come home drunk, and many he was going to hurt people. So, I had a very unsafe childhood, and what that did is it led me to sabotage my happiness, and it got to a point in my life where I either had to fix what was broken inside, or I was going to lead a very lonely life. So. What I did, I went through a whole realm of therapy and recovery, and after I got my act together, I started to run groups for your charge for other people that also had destructive childhood messages. Um, and ironically, I got to a point in my life where my life was getting better, but I still needed to uh, connect with my dad. My dad was stricken with stomach cancer one night, and I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, and my wife, my mother rather, told me to go see him. She said, he's very ill. I went to the hospital to see him. And we didn't have a good relationship until um, that night. And that night, as I was sitting near him and as I got up to leave, he stopped me and he said to me uh, 20 years ago, he says, my father, which would be my grandfather, was dying of lung cancer. He says, I never could tell him that I loved him and I never could share my feelings with him. Uh, and I don't want that to happen to you. Now, at the time, my father, he was very ill and he was dying, but yet he was able to see my pain. And I think what happened after that is I started to see my father as a human being, Um, not this 10-foot monster that I grew up with, but somebody like me had fears. He had resentments. He had damage inside, and I was able to connect to him. Unfortunately, shortly after that, he had passed on.
1: Wow, what a what an opportunity to be able to do that. Yes. Well, you have learned so much from all these experiences, and I know in your book you talk about parenting tips and inner critic and all that. Can you give our parents out there who are wondering what to do with their grieving teens some advice?
3: Absolutely, first of all and foremost is create a safe place for your kids. Let your kids, teenagers, tell you exactly how they feel, even if it's something you don't want to hear, allow them to just share their feelings and don't judge them. Um, I think it's so important. If a kid has a safe place at home, if a kid has, has people at home that they can share their feelings with, that's the foundation of the relationship. Uh, I also believe that as parents, all of us, we want to guide our children. We want them to read the script. We want to fix them when they're in pain. That's normal. But I know sometimes I have to relinquish that need to be right with my children. And instead of that, choose closeness. Relinquish the need to be right and choose closeness instead. What I mean by that is let your children not only share what they want to share with you, but also take a second and think about if you were in that situation, what would you want your parents to say? It's kind of like letting compassion guide what you say and the way you say it.
1: You know, I like that idea. But, you know, one of the problems is we parents who've had a loss try to create a safe place and for the kids, but sometimes they won't talk, you know, and and we feel like they should be talking. There's something wrong with them. They're right. not talking. Have you got any suggestions for that?
0: Absolutely.
3: I can, I can tell you that when I try to share a little bit of how I would feel in their situation, not, again, not solution-oriented, but really to say to your child, something like, you must be in a lot of pain, I know how much pain I'm in now, and you must also be in pain. I can't imagine what it's like to, you know, be going to school or to be working and to have something like this happen to you. That has to be so painful. It's almost sharing your feelings at that time. I know that for my children, in any situation, the more I could listen to them, the more they listen to me. It's amazing how that works.
1: You know, one of the things, that I hate to say it as a brief parent, but it's so painful to hear your kids sad and cry, and you're right. grieving a loss. It's, it's a tough. Heidi, have you got any questions for Tom as you were just out of your teenage years when your brother was killed?
2: Well, I love the stuff he's saying, because, you know, yes, the biggest, the biggest, stress that the that parents have after they lose a child is when their teens aren't talking to them, they don't know if they're okay and, right. and they don't know what's going on internally and they get really anxious and they say, my right. God, my teen isn't grieving. And I said, they, they may be grieving, you just might not know it because, Tom, you've probably seen this, sometimes teens don't grieve in front of their parents because they're trying to protect their parents because their exactly. parents are a mess and they're crying and they don't want to cause them further pain.
3: Exactly. So what's happening is everybody is taking on the feelings of the other person and not really mm-hmm. sharing their own feelings when sharing your own feelings is really the best way to connect with the other person. Um, I know that that's one case. And I also know this. When we get afraid in life, any of us, and this is what I, I run groups and this is what I teach them, we'll many times do the same things we did as children when we get afraid, whatever that was. If we're afraid, we may shut down. We may mentally go away we may get angry and act out with anger and we'll do a lot of those same things as in adults that we did as children when we got afraid so it's really important to build as I talk about in my book the self-awareness understand what you're doing and how you're doing it same thing with the inner critic if I have an inner critic I'm going to give that to my children for sure whether I want to or not so it's really important to first build awareness so you know how to you know what actions to take it makes it makes it much easier
1: I just wanted to say that you mentioned a word that I thought was important that that's the anger word right there are some really angry kids out there right. who have had a loss and maybe not initially but as time goes on they start substance abusing uh, I'm worried about my teens they're doing some things like that to to dampen the pain right. what do I do
3: the signs are first, it's important to see if they're going into isolation. If the, your teen is isolating from you or from others, it's really not good. When, when we're stricken by grief, isolation may be a very comfortable place, but dangerous place. It might be a place where we're just so used to being in, but it's not a good place. And at that point, you really have to keep being curious, as I say, with your teen. Keep talking to your teen. Don't stop talking, don't, don't allow that to happen. Uh, even if your teen gets annoyed at you at times, you know, um, someday they're going to see that as a sign of love, but they may not see it at that point. So keep being curious.
1: I like that curious idea. Heidi, what did you want to say?
2: It was similar. So you, you kind of, we were, in, we were both in the very same place because what I like that Tom is doing, Mom, like you said, it's, sc- it's scary when the teens are angry, et cetera, is what you're showing us, Tom, is that acknowledging and validating your teens is very, very important. And I love what you're saying about saying saying to your teens, I can't imagine having a loss, and it must be really difficult to go back to school. This must be extremely hard for you because what I hear from teens over and over and over is we don't think people realize how difficult it is to lose a sibling. We feel like our loss is secondary to our parents' loss of a child, and we don't hear the acknowledgement and validation. And that's what I love that you're giving people, words. You're giving parents words to say to their kids. And to acknowledge how difficult it is to be a teenager and have a loss.
3: It's so important in so many ways. I mean, even with my son uh, um, going into his career, just to acknowledge how difficult it is when you're 18 and you have to choose a career that you're going to do your whole life, acknowledging Mm -hmm. how difficult that must be uh, and also acknowledging the fears. But I think here's the problem with the situation is when, again, when we go into our fears as parents, Um, those fears could shut us down and make us even self-centered where we, maybe we, we become caretakers where we only want to fix our teenagers and we're not looking to take care of ourselves. Or it goes the Mm -hmm. other way around where it's so self-centered fear that we only see what we're afraid of and then we ignore the teenagers. So it could go in either direction. And that's something again where the awareness, you really have to, you know, beef up the awareness.
1: Yeah, is it real or is it my own right. fear? I, I think you get into that for things like driving, you know, when it uh, you've had a loss of child to a driving accident and, and maybe even a year later you don't want your teenager to get a driver's it's, license. It's you trauma. know. It's trauma. Uh, things like that, yeah, frightening. But I also wanted to ask you about um, victim mentality because, wow, I think you can get into that. When you've had a, a profound loss, you can feel like you're a victim of this experience. Yeah, and,
3: and what victim mentality does is victim mentality could lead to a destructive entitlement, which can get you in a lot of trouble. And and, and that's, as you said, that's a great point you make, is that you got to talk about that victim mentality, because if you're not discussing it and seeing that um, this wasn't done personally, that this is also a part of life, you, you would hope eventually the person can get to an acceptance, not ever forgetting, but an acceptance uh, place. Because if you stay in that victim mode, what happens after that, you can move into a destructive entitlement and you can hurt a lot of people with that.
1: Heidi, that destructive entitlement. Wow. I mean, I'm thinking about teens who turn to drugs and alcohol because Mm -hmm. they feel justified because they've had a loss.
3: That's exactly Uh, what I mean. Yeah.
1: What do you think, Heidi? Does that come up for you?
2: Oh, absolutely, definitely, and and the other thing—the other thing that comes up for me is that, you know, we can't always fix things. Sometimes people come to us, and our teens might come to us, and they don't want us to fix it. They just want us to listen and empathize. Right. Because fixing a loss is very difficult. Because really, what you want at the end of the day day is that person back.
3: Yeah, and I—I mom, I I agree with you too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I often tell people that sometimes healing, you know, isn't on our time; it's on God's time, and. It's hard for people Mm. to hear that. Uh, Parents, they they come to me in situations and they want things to be fixed immediately. Of course we do, but sometimes the Mm -hmm. process has to take place and it's kind of, you know, not always on the time we want it to be on.
1: You know, um, you've got another thing that I I think is, I want to end our show on and that is celebrate victories.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I think as society in whole, we we tend to just look at what we've done wrong. We don't celebrate our victories in life. I talk about that a lot in, in in my book. And it's really important to celebrate victories with your child. And I don't mean the external victories. I mean that that comes into play when your child does something that they're really proud of, something that really boosts their self-esteem, the internal victories. And it's important to really celebrate that. And that, again, will lead to a better connection between you and your your, your child.
1: You know, I, I think that's so important, Heidi. Because one of the things we hear when we're around parents is, you know, the, the angel died, the perfect child, and and siblings say, "Why don't you say what they say, Heidi, about that situation?"
2: It, it, it is, it is hard. It is hard because you know the bottom line is when our sibling dies, they never do anything wrong again, and
0: right. they are
2: elevated to the status of God. Right. <laughs> so wow. it's like, okay, right. the, the issue is when you have a grieving parent that's saying, you know, why am I still here? Life isn't worth living. It's difficult for surviving children because we think, what about us? Aren't right. we enough? Right. So right. To, to just keep that in mind for the parents out there, we know it's very, very hard for you, but we're still here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
1: so celebrate the victories. And one of the things that Heidi and I always say is count your photographs in your house. Yes, I love that. Because you don't want to have more photographs of children that right. have died than you do of the living.
3: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and I I just, I put this throughout my book and my life, and I just believe that any healing process, whether it's from uh, somebody who passes away or uh, alcohol or drugs, which is a grieving process, Mm -hmm. any grieving process becomes a we process, not a me process. And the more you Mm -hmm. could allow other people to hold your hand through it, to boost you forward. I talk about this inner critic that constantly, constantly sabotages our happiness, whatever that is. And if you don't put some positive voices in your head, that inner critic will command your actions. And that's when it gets really sad.
1: Tell our folks how where well, your website is. I know you do coaching. Do you do it over the Internet, where you do your classes, and where you're located?
3: I'm in, uh, in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, I run uh, groups, men's groups, women's groups. I also do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of uh, consulting. Uh, and I do a lot of phone sessions and, and internet sessions. Um, and, uh, my website is com. and any questions, I would love to answer any questions or stuff that comes up with this interview. That'd be great. Uh, and you can always grab my book on amazon.com or com. All
1: right. So get that book and, uh, The problem is me, and thank you so much for being on the show today, Tom. And we're going to look forward to seeing you in Philadelphia next week. Yeah,
3: that'd be great. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Tom.
3: You're welcome. Take care, Heidi.
1: Well, Heidi, uh, what a guy with a lot of good ideas and information, a life experience, and uh, I really, I'm sure, he's helping a lot of people out there.
2: I love it, and I love how he, he said this needs to become a we process, not a me process, and I think that is so important when we have had a loss, we need to collectively come together and heal. And kids do not, they can't do this on their own. They need to do it as a collective. So I love that idea.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to the show today, and please tune in again next week for more of Open to Hope.
0: You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Doctors Gloria and Heidi Horsling. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.